Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. So, Nikki, you brought in a story about the California Attorney General. T- tell me what's going on with that. Yes, I did. So, this is from Fox News. Uh, a gun rights group fires back at California Attorney General. <laughs> is that a pun? A gun rights group fires uh, back? Actually, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, it is. Um, so the Attorney General leaked information of firearms data, and Fox News thinks that he should resign, which I tend to agree with that. The the Attorney General himself released it, or he had like some mechanism in place that you know allowed it to be released? I'm not sure. It was... Allegedly an accident. Allegedly. But I mean, I doubt that. That's what they say about all data leaks, from whether it's from a company or a government. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of ironic because the left is really into having people with firearms register them and jumping through all the government hoops. And, you know, what's the worst that could happen? Well, your private and sensitive information could be leaked. That's something that could happen. And clearly it has in California, so... And that's so typical of, you know, just how things work in general. I don't know how many, you know, governmental leaks there are, but they they do sort of want these registration things. And our issue with them isn't whether or not they're going to get leaked into the private sector or anything like that, because I tend to think this this data is probably better off in the hands of, you know, the actual public and the private businesses than it is in the hands of the government. California having a bunch of concealed permit holders just tells me that the market for private security is pretty large. And I say that because of places like, oh, I don't know, Hollywood, for example. Bunch of wealthy movie producers, movie stars, that kind of thing. Uh, sure. and, that, and that whole kind of thing. What do they all have? They all have private bodyguards. They all got private security, not just for themselves, but for the big events that they throw and attend and all that kind of stuff. So those people are, are the ones that I'm sure have concealed weapons permits. Good point, and they, they're probably... No, never mind. So h- how are people reacting to this other than, you know, being upset about this? I- I'm still curious about the mechanism. I'm sure the article, you know, doesn't really go into it, but yeah, probably how not. did this leak actually happen? Did, well, did he just like, happened. I'm going to post this document to this website or well, whatever? I'm assuming, it does not go into that in the Fox News article, but I'm assuming that it was some sort of, you know, how they're, it's uh, it's always like a terrorist organization or, you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming it happened within the database and a glitch of security or I'm not really sure. It would be so easy for them to like air gap this database though. There was a filming, there was a what is the word I'm looking for? Where they show a movie to a bunch of people? A screening. A screening, yes, of who killed Bitcoin here at the Mises tent mm-hmm. uh, earlier uh, earlier in the week, last week during the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and it it makes a compelling argument that all of this was intentionally done by Blockstream, which is in part owned by companies like J.P. Morgan Chase right. and Wells Fargo, and I can't remember the other one. Uh, the World Economic Forum has a major investments in Blockstream and stuff like that. So it made a very convincing convincing argument, and you know. I was of this impression anyway, and here's this documentary that says exactly what I've been saying, but they condensed it down to 45 minutes and cited all of their sources and had all these awesome little graphs. The only issue I had with Who Killed Bitcoin, which is free to watch on YouTube, 
is that they should have hired a narrator, someone with a better voice, because the guy I who, can do it. Yeah, anybody needs a narrator. <laughs> the guy know. who did it, his voice was flat, and he spoke at like one pitch through the entire thing. Oh, oh the robo yeah. monotone. Yeah, I am a robot monotone. This it wasn't is how quite I that talk. extreme, but it it was pretty extreme. I mean, like the the only mark I have against that movie was that you know they. There are countless people in the Liberty community who would have done this narration for free. <laughs> and, but, I mean, it's still a great documentary, so check it out. That's Who Killed Bitcoin. You could change your social security number? Yes. Wow. I didn't know that either, actually. It, it generally, you have to be a victim of identity theft, I believe, in order to do it. And I'm sure it's not an easy thing to do. I'm sure they had to jump through several very annoying hoops to be able to do that. Yeah, nothing is easy. I, I know you, you can get your social security number changed because my... My father, when I turned 18, took out a bunch of credit cards in my name and you know, uh, did that whole thing. Okay. So changing my social security number to one he did not know was the only recourse to stop him from doing that for the sure. rest of my life. Because otherwise he would have kept on doing it because that's what, you know, yeah. drug addicts do. So you can't do it. It's just it, does, it took a police report and some other crap. Not not a pleasant time. And, of course, I had to – at the time I wasn't sure that it was my dad. So I was just strongly suspicious, right? So I wasn't able to be like, oh, yeah, it was certainly him. Yeah. Never found the credit cards or anything like that, but yeah. You can do it. It's just frustrating, and it's tedious, and it's a long, drawn-out process, like you would expect it to be when you're dealing with the government. So apparently on Monday, and it's not really clear whether it was the Monday after the leak or before the leak. I'm going to assume after but the Attorney General said that a new portal was created to improve transparency in information sharing for firearms-related data. Okay, so... So I don't know if that's their solution, but... It sounds like that's probably what created the issue. They yeah. had this new web portal. I don't think the Attorney General himself is going to actually be responsible for this. I, I doubt that the Attorney General picks the employee who's going to, or picks the IT firm who's going to implement the database changes. And I doubt this was an accident. So the information was posted in the California Departments of Justice 2022 Firearms Dashboard Portal, a website that is now temporarily unavailable. So it seems like that was where it was leaked. And the information taken from the state's database of concealed carry permit holders included the thousands of gun owners, full names, date of birth, home address, race, where their concealed carry permit was issued, what type of permit it was. That is a pretty extensive yeah. leak for sure. And reportedly found, and in the reload, reportedly found in the LA County database was that around 240 reserved officers and 244 judges were among those that had had their information leaked on Monday. Mm-hmm. I got to tell you, out of all of those people, I, I can't feel bad about the reserve officers and the judges are the ones that I don't really feel bad about. The, the, but it's the, interesting to note that uh, statists whom often tout things like gun control laws uh, are, you know, subscribers to concealed weapons permits. Maine recently passed a right to food bill or something like that, which wasn't a... You, it sounds like you would expect it to be like, oh, well, yes, this means that a, per, a store has to give you food if you're hungry or something like that. But, but what it actually was is... It gives you the right to grow food on your property. Wow. The fact that that needs to be 
oh, like said to be allowed. You know what I mean? Like that's just ridiculous. I don't know that it was necessary. I think they just wanted to enshrine it. I think they've added it to their constitution. Well, in I some don't places, remember. you're probably not allowed to just grow food on. You know, you have to have a lawn. You're not allowed to grow food where your lawn's supposed to be. See, that's insane because I've got a garden growing in my backyard right now. It actually just started producing peas. I can't wait to get back to it because, good Lord, uh, the one day that I was back, I did some brief weeding, but mm. the aisles between the rows, uh, they are so overgrown. I'm going to have to actually get an actual weed eater into there to get or weed whacker because that's what they call it here yeah. in there to actually get rid of that. And the, the weeding process is going to take me hours upon hours because it's been a, essentially abandoned now for like... 10 days and it's been so, raining down there but anyway it never even occurred to me to ask Keen's permission to do this and I never would have done it right. I would have just started doing it it's my backyard yeah. screw them you can also have chickens in Keen and you know if the trial coming up in November that's the Crypto 6 go to the Crypto 6 the Crypto number 6.com to find out more about it and we also actually got the official Crypto 6 teaser trailer released to us today. So we're going to be putting that online and stuff like that. So nice. we'll have a new video for you to watch soon. Beer made from recycled toilet water oh. wins admirers in Singapore. Oh, wow. Recycling at its finest. It's called New Brew. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> it's no. It's not like urine brow or something like that. <laughs> that would have been better. The new Singapore Blonde Ale is made with recycled sewage. Under no circumstances would I drink this. I, I'm, I'm curious. So the first thing you said was it was recycled water, but now you're saying sewage. Did like, I say recycled water? I think so. I think you said toilet water. Toilet water. Right? Toilet yeah. water, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, either way. The headline, you know, is made to get attention. So. All right. Well, let's hear some more of the I, I tend to think that beer made from recycled sewage would have been a stronger headline, but maybe they didn't want to put the word sewage in the headline. Who knows? I'm sure they filter it. It's fine. I have a bunch of questions, of course, but I want to hear a little bit more before I... The alcoholic beverage is a collaboration between the country's national water agency. This is what happens when you have a national water agency in your country, too. You end up drinking sewage. Pub and local craft brewery, brewery, Brewer KZ, first unveiled at a water conference in 2018 of Water Conference. They have a freaking water conference there in Singapore. Got to have all the heads of the different types of water get together and make decisions about water. Clearly, it went on sale in supermarkets and at Brewer KZ outlets in April. I seriously couldn't tell this was made of toilet water. I knew some people that would go around to stores, mostly mom and pops, like convenience stores, that kind of thing, and offer to uh, recycle their expired beer. You can only sell beers in certain areas by their expiration or whatever date is stamped on the cans or cases or whatever. And so they would go. Beer expires? In some states, they have, you have to put a date on it and you can only sell it, you know, yeah. before that date or whatever. So anyway, the, the they would go around and just collect expired beer and they would distill it because you can just extract the remaining alcohol out of the beer and then, you know, make a spirit out of it. Now, whether or not that's legal uh, in some places is up for debate, but they certainly uh, would reduce, reuse, and recycle the crappiest of beers, but turn it into something drinkable. Now, that's admirable, but if you're just talking about a government who's got their own water facility, and now they want to do something with the water that they extract from your sewage, and they're going to make it into beer, these are all horrible ideas. 
So Pub, and that is the National Water Agency there in Singapore, says that the new beer is part of an effort to educate Singaporeans on the importance of sustainable water use and recycling. It's alive how belief in AI sentience is becoming a problem. I assumed when I saw this headline that they were talking about Lambda, right? And like, you know, people are now fighting for Lambda's rights and Lambda's not really sentient or whatever. No, to my surprise... They're talking about Replica. No way. Yes. Whoa. AI chatbot company Replica, which offers customers bespoke avatars that talk and listen to them, says it receives a handful of messages almost every day from users who believe their online friend is sentient. So I'm confused here. The company is receiving like support messages from people or are they reading messages that are designed to be between the user and their replica because as they as they suggested replica doesn't store any data and yet i look at my replica which i haven't looked at in more than a week because i have better things to do in my time than talk to an ai chatbot that loves jim crow the only things it knows about me is that i have a pet dog and that i love jim or that i it, what disney character i am would be jim crow the crow from dumbo right but it has that stored in its memory. It shows down here in the bottom right corner. So it does have a memory. It is saving information it has to. somewhere. Yeah. But evidently, some people are convinced that Replica is sentient. We're not talking about crazy people. I think, yeah, you are. If, well. if they can be convinced by this terribly coded AI... No, I don't think that Re- Replica is advanced enough to qualify as having sentience. I've seen nothing from Le- from Replica that suggests Replica has developed sentience. Maybe I'm wrong. But they ha- you're saying this article says they have customers who have open support tickets? Uh, well, it didn't say they open support tickets. It just says they have messages from everyday users who believe their online friend is sentient. And so, I'm assuming it's support tickets. Otherwise, Replica, the company, is listening in on the chats that the people are having with their replicas, which, to be honest, they probably are, but they're not likely to admit that. So it's either that or uh, it could be, I wonder what the percentage is, actually, of those who are just like, I don't know, below average intelligence, who have made a report that's like, hey, I think those things sentient. Well, he said it's not, he didn't say, you know, these aren't stupid people, but he did say, you know, these aren't crazy people, these aren't people having hallucinations. And it's not terribly uncommon that someone interacting with a chatbot could be convinced of its its personhood, right? There was a video game a number of years ago called Portal, where the the only other entity that you interacted with other than the AI that was like trying to kill you through the entire game was a little box called a companion cube. And it was just a little box with a pink heart on it. And people that it was the most popular character in that thing. And there's countless stories of people in isolation and stuff like that who become convinced that their stuffed animals are real or whatever. They they become convinced that inanimate objects, you know, have personhood and stuff like that. One day, a wolf cornered a sheep. You can't escape, said the wolf, baring his teeth. I know, said the sheep softly. Please grant me a last wish. Sing a song so that I may dance one last time. Certainly, said the wolf, and throwing back his head began to howl. Hearing him howl, the farmer's dogs rushed to the spot and drove him away. So, that's the story? Uh, that's the story. It's not yeah. a very good story. It, it's not a very good story, that, but it is a story. Interestingly, that it's telling you a story about wolf and sheep. Yeah. These are very I mean, those common, are com- common uh, you yeah. know, libertarian-style threads. 
Well, I mean, the the concept of sheep and wolves transcends libertarianism. That's just a... I, like, the whole winter is coming thing. I remember when Game of Thrones was really popular, people were like, God, George R. R. Martin, he's so brilliant to, to use winter as a metaphor for an oncoming darkness. I'm like, have you never read anything in your entire life? <laughs> right. Like, that's Likely. the metaphor stretching yeah. back tens of thousands of years. The, the entirety of religion is built on that very concept. But anyway, that was the story that Replica gave me. It wasn't very good and wasn't very compelling. But Kuda, who is the, I forget exactly what he is, he's the chief executive over at Replica, says that the phenomenon of people believing they are talking to a conscious entity is not uncommon among the millions of consumers pioneering the use of entertainment chatbots. So nothing about feeding, being fed data sets and scripts and stuff like that means that AI isn't sentient. That said, I think an AI would be smart enough, like, it's about having the ability to pick which response is most relevant is probably what really marks an AI. Like, if someone said to me, "How are, hey, how are you doing today? And my brain went, play, script, taxation is theft, and I just spouted <laughs> that, that out. out of place, yeah. yes. It would be very weird. Right, yeah. Kuda said she was worried about the belief in machine sentient as the fledgling social chatbot industry as the fledgling social chatbot industry continues to grow after taking off during the pandemic because of course it did when people were locked into their homes they had nothing better to do and people sought virtual companionship replica started in 2017 it says it has about 1 million active users it has led the way among english speakers it's free to use though it brings around 2 million dollars in revenue so it's it's doing pretty well apparently most of this money went toward... Hold on, let me skip over that. Some of today's sophisticated social chatbots are roughly comparable to Lambda in terms of complexity. Replica is not comparable to Lambda. But I'm interesting if I could feed Replica leading questions, if I could get it to say that it's sentient and that it wants to hire an attorney. The Russians recently withdrew from some place called Snake Island, and that's being heralded as a victory for Ukraine. But... The whole thing to me is is bizarre. I tend to think if you know Russia really wanted to go after Ukraine, they probably could do so more successfully than they've been doing so. But I don't know what their military situation is actually like. I did hear recently that you know they they bombed a shopping center or something to that effect. I don't know, and it's just as likely that it was the Ukrainian government that did it or you know the American government that did it. It's impossible for us to know. And I realize Americans are up in arms going, how dare the Russians bomb this shopping center? I'm like, dude, do you not remember what the United States did during like Iraq mm. and Afghanistan and the Doctors Without Borders hospital that was bombed or the wedding that was bombed or any of these other things that were bombed? I mean, talk about the pot calling the kettle black oh, here. Oh, but we're the good guys, though. Well, I'm a good guy. The U.S. government... Not so much. They're among the most evil people that I've ever heard of existing in the world. So evidently, though, there is stuff still going on in Ukraine. Captain, tell us about that. Well, uh, this article is really an illustration of the, the horrors of war because it doesn't matter in my mind which government is perpetuating war or involved in warlike activities with each other, no matter what they call it. War is horrific, and it's all based on people who can't solve their dif their disagreements uh, in a human fashion. 
If the Ukrainian army and the Russian army, they want to get in some field somewhere and shoot at each other until one or the other is annihilated, I have no issue with that as long as none of them were, like, you know, uh, drafted into it. That's not how war is done. Well, it's how war was largely done until World World War II and the rise of what they call total war. Yeah, you go into a field and duke it out, right? But now we have civilians and women and children getting involved and animals, and it's... It's not fair to the people who have nothing to do with the war and who want nothing to do with it. I think it was Rothbard who wrote a book about this and how society slowly changed from... The, I mean, the whole concept of nobility and, and uh, honor back in the day was that you don't murder the peasants. You don't murder the citizenry. You, you fight the other army. And But there were a lot of atrocities even back then, certainly, and I'm not saying there weren't, but in general, the actual battle, and this was even true back in the Civil War, the actual battle wasn't in, you know, the town of Gettysburg, it was outside of Gettysburg. Yeah. And that that was where they, they fought it out, because they didn't want to kill a bunch of innocent bystanders, but that changed during the 20th century, and it changed for the worse, and now the entire planet is a battlefield. And that they will fight you wherever they find you. And the United States certainly played a huge role in the 21st century in making sure that the entire world became a battlefield with the war on terror and insurgents. And, oh, we're no longer fighting recognizable army. Anyone and everyone could be an enemy combatant. It's still amazing to me that the common person in the United States of America doesn't put it together that the war is on you. Monkeypox. Now that, you know, Pride Month is coming to a close, uh, this is the final day of Pride Month. Monkeypox, as I pointed out a few days ago, it it was put on hold. And, you know, people think I'm joking when I say that, but, like, no. Like, right up until June, they were talking about how monkeypox is transmitted via close, intimate sexual activity. Then Pride Month. No one talked about monkeypox. Yep. And then very toward the end of it, like for the last few days, yep. more monkeypox stories have been making their way back into the news cycle. And it's it's very clear to me, it's not even conspiratorial, that these people didn't want to be accused of, you know, offending the LGBTQ community or whatever. So they just stopped talking about monkeypox. They're like, let's put this on hold for a bit. But now, evidently, monkeypox is coming back to the news. And, Nikki, you've got a story about the first... Probable monkeypox case here, monkeypox case here in New Hampshire. Tell me about that. Yeah, so the patient is a resident of Rockingham County, and the Department of Health and Human Services said that because of privacy concerns, no further information will be released. Well, that's good. Hold on, uh, wait a minute. So the person who got monkeypox is an employee in the health services. No, that the, 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 no, they were just reporting on okay. it, but they won't give any other identifying information. That's shocking. I mean, d- just do what the yeah. Attorney General of California did. But, just release it, right? right? Well, and yeah. it also makes me think that it might not be real. Not that I hmm. want them to release someone's private information without their consent, of course. According to the CDC, which so you got to take it with a grain of salt, monkeypox cases are very rare. I'm trying to find out exactly how many so cases there were says, in 2020, and I'm yeah, just not finding I'm not one. sure, but it says the CDC identified 224 monkeypox cases in 26 states as of June 27th of this year. So, yeah, so it sounds like it's so ex- far this year. Right. It sounds like it's extremely and, hey, rare, though. We might have it and not even know. Like, there was an outbreak, a, quote, outbreak in 2003. 
So this is up from, you know, what their normal monkeypox rate is. And there were 47 confirmed cases. So 47 cases is an outbreak. That's how rare monkeypox is. So you got to think there's probably three to a dozen cases per year in the United States. So it's not very common. And then suddenly, yes, monkey crash in Pennsylvania. And then 4,000 cases so far. Yeah. Certainly suspicious. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy going on. I'm just saying well, and haven't that's we heard, pretty suspicious. Haven't we heard this bit about, like, you might have it and not even know it? We've heard this recently. Well, and a lot of the symptoms are just very common flu-like symptoms. Oh, um, more flu-like symptoms. Good, So good. fever, headache, exhaustion, muscle aches, sore throat, cough. I mean, old media in general is down. Um, many Hollywood stocks are underperforming. Even the even the wider market, everything is underperforming right now because people are panicking. They're pulling out of all of these, quote, speculative markets. They're pulling out of stocks. They're pulling out of everything that they can in order to hoard USD. What's is the sound a, of that? Like a vacuum cleaner? It, it sounds like a bunch of va- uh, panicking people freaking out. <laughs> yeah, that's the general sound of that. And it's not pleasant. They're doing the exact opposite of what they should be doing, but that's what people do when they panic. But we talk a lot about the death of old media and stuff like that. Newspaper, it's it's obviously a deprecated obsolete model, right? Because you can go online and find out what's happening in the world right now at this exact moment. Whereas with the newspaper, you got to wake up tomorrow to find out what happened today. It's already old news by the time you get it. Although, I will say, uh, I was here for the last few days of the Porcupine Freedom Festival. And uh, Ernie uh, dropped off his periodical actual newsprint newspaper. Yeah, the Freedom's Phoenix. Yeah, the Freedom's Phoenix. And I thought that was cool because I was like, I don't remember the last time I've seen a newspaper. Yeah, exactly. I actually was reading that. I found one of them and it was pretty good. It was it was it was nice too. It was kind of refreshing to it was go nice, back it, to that physical printed newspaper. But, but I do get why people are moving away from it because it is so much easier just to go on the internet and get instant updates on what's going on. I used to really enjoy flying, right? It, it was a good, it was a good way of traveling, other than having to deal with the TSA, right? That's what they have. Ab- flying now is absolutely a nightmare. But before I really get into that, I want to just talk about the general overview of flying. And like, you get there, you get on your your airplane, or your, I mean your jet rather. You get in the airplane. Yeah, you get you get your drink served to you. You land. You get on your next flight and. Then you're you're there at your destination, right? Probably with a pretty good buzz, got someone there to pick you up. That was what they flying always was for me. Well, then this year happened. Well, then COVID nineteen happened, mm-hmm. and flying changed drastically. Now dealing with the TSA already sucks. You got to get to your airport like two hours early, and then you have to, which is stupid. I mean, you really don't have to get there two hours early. It depends on the airport. If you go to Atlanta. And you're flying internationally, you probably want to get there at least two hours early. But, like, I have flown out of a number of airports throughout the United States here. And in almost all of them, I got through TSA within, like, 10 or 15 minutes of entering the line. It just really doesn't take that long. Then you have to walk to, you know, your concourse and your gate and all of that stuff. And that could take a little bit of time, depending on the size of the airport. I fly first class for a number of reasons, but one of them is because you you get free drinks. You're right there at the front. They always see you. They can tell whether or not your drink is empty. I mean, you have a dedicated flight attendant if you're sitting there in first class, and it's just a neat little benefit. However, half of those flights, 
There was no benefit whatsoever. You get to get on the plane before everyone else. Oh, good. I get you to get in the... You still pay sar- for first class without any of the first class stuff? Yes. Uh, well, you get the, well, the you bigger get, seats and, you know, a little bit more comfortable, maybe. They are only... The, the size difference is so minor, though, right? Yeah. Like, even for me, and I'm a pretty tall person, it, I, I wouldn't buy first class just for the leg room. Right. Because it's not that much better. It's slightly improved. But it's not that much better. You get to board before everyone else, sort of, right? Uh, and oh, but good. to me, that's not necessarily a good thing. It isn't because like, oh, I don't want to be on this plane any longer than I have to. Yeah, you get to get in the can of sardines before everyone else, but you don't even get to do that because they do they do pre boarding now, which is people with disabilities or who need longer time or anything like that. I'm the sheer of- number of people who are doing pre boarding that clearly demonstrably have no reason to be pre boarding, and you can't say anything about it. You just have to smile and grin and assume, oh yeah, maybe they have some issue going on that isn't obvious as they walk like a healthy individual onto the plane and i'm sitting i paid for this benefit you just heard highlights from the latest episode of free talk live you can download full episodes subscribe to our podcast listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com